The following is a presentation of the Eastern Michigan Sports Network from Learfield. Straight from the 734, it's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Your chance to get in on the action. Now, let's send it to the guys on the inside of it all, Greg Steiner and Alex Jewell. Do you have your plane tickets booked? Do you have your tickets for Saturday? Do you have a place for a bowl trophy, Alex Jewell? More importantly, do you have your Mardi Gras beads out? It's the kickoff of Mardi Gras season. What better way to kick off Eastern Michigan's bowl game? They're fourth in six years, Greg. A lot of our listeners maybe never thought they would get to say that. The fifth one in program history coming up. It's already game week here, the 23rd annual Lending Tree Bowl. It's gone by a few other names than Lending Tree Bowl, if you're wondering. Uh, a staple of the Mid-American Conference. They've had an, a, an appearance in all but three of them. Eastern Michigan continuing that tradition this year. What an exciting week it is on campus. What an exciting week it was on campus. We'll talk a little bit about George Gervin Day and that big announcement. But man, the energy is high, leading right into the Christmas and holiday season. It's an exciting, exciting time. It certainly is. This is the Eastern Insider. He's Alex Jewell. I'm Greg Steiner. We're happy to have you. This will be a bowl-bound episode of uh, the Eastern Insider. Last week, Alex and I were on the go. One was headed to Oklahoma. One was headed to Mobile. Today, we're back in the friendly confines of the George Gervin Game Above Center. If you weren't paying attention over the week, Weekend, the newly minted name of the arena, thanks to a generous gift to our friends at Game Above. And of course, the Iceman himself. What a weekend it was to have the legend here in full force. It was awesome. And to all of you that are listening that were a part of it, that came out to what was formerly the Convocation Center on Saturday, uh, what a great environment we had. It was a really, really good crowd. Lots of excitement, lots of energy. Thanks to Game Above for all that they did to contribute. All the students that came out. I mean, it was a jam-packed student section. It was really fun. And uh, yeah, congratulations. There's nothing really much more to say than congratulations to George Gervin. Much well-deserved honor. We all know the legend that he is at Eastern Michigan, but really what he became in the NBA and in the game of basketball overall. Not many people are both E-Club Hall of Famers and Naismith Hall of Famers. So if you could say that, and of course he was honored this year as one of the 75 best NBA players of all time. So there's a lot we could say. The only uh, thing that was missing, though, was you needed that Noah Farrakhan shot that looked like it was going well, in at the end of the second overtime. How ironic that uh, the day that was full of celebrations also had culminated with the longest game in Eastern Michigan basketball history. Four overtimes, Greg. But if you think about it, in the men's game, they played two halves, and then they played four overtimes. So how fitting that the numbers were two and four, and of course, George Gervin wore number 24 while he was here at Eastern Michigan. So maybe the most poetic end to the day that you could have asked for. Hey, if you missed any of the content from George Gervin Day and the announcement that the Convocation Center would become the George Gervin Game Above Center, you can go to emueagles.com and click on the day's recap story from that afternoon. There's lots of ways to look back. The full video of the ceremonies up there, a recap video from the day, uh, a couple of articles, and then lots of local and national publications, Greg, did articles, the Detroit News, Detroit Free Press, Yahoo Sports, a lot of areas to click on and get that coverage, but none better than Eastern Michigan's own website, the newly renovated 
updated website that we unveiled just a few weeks back. So what a day it was, but what a week it's going to be, Greg. And as you said, this one is all focused on football. And we have a couple of really, really good guests to get our listeners set for the uh, Lending Tree Bowl and all that they need to know about what's going on. Yeah, we start off with a conversation with Nick Pierce. He's a guy on the Liberty sideline. He's their pregame host and sideline guy. So he's in the know about everything Flames football related. We spend some time with him, go in-depth look. Malik Willis is the quarterback, and we spend time breaking down him as well as getting a primer on the folks in Lynchburg because it's been a long time since Eastern Michigan and Liberty have played. You go back to the 89 campaign, most of the time Eagle fans trying to forget that because it was the Flames coming in here picking their first ever FBS win up when they upset Eastern Michigan with 11 seconds to go. So let's hope it's a much different story this time. Well, a lot's changed for both programs since then, Greg. We we know the success that Eastern Michigan has had under Chris Creighton in the last eight years and what this bowl game means to the program, but let's not forget a lot has changed at Liberty too. You mentioned back when they played last time, Liberty was an FCS team. They have since transitioned to the FBS level. They're an FBS independent team, but they're getting ready to uh, slate themselves within a conference here in a few years. But then, nonetheless, they're also experiencing some really good growth. Hugh Freeze, a lot of people may know that name from Ole Miss or some other stops. He uh, has gotten the program in a really good spot. You mentioned Malik Willis. This is somebody that, that thinks is, um, you know, he may be a first round draft pick. A lot of experts out there have them slated on their boards pretty high up in the draft. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see what he looks like. This is going to be a team that is really challenging for Eastern Michigan to face defensively. They do a lot of run-pass option looks. So for anybody that knows, is looking towards a little bit of a comparison, maybe a little bit like Western Michigan, what they run. It's really easy to focus on their quarterback, Greg, but Liberty's got a really good defense. In fact, they rank inside the top 25 in the nation and even the top 15 in plenty of categories. So they'll have their hands full. So we'll talk to Nick Pierce a little bit about what to look for uh, from the Liberty side of things. But then, of course, it's game week, so nobody breaks it down better than Chris Creighton. He's on for this week's show again. He sat down with you and does a really good job of breaking down their team and what it's going to take for the East, the, for Eastern Michigan to get the win. But he also spent some time, Greg, talking about his relationship because his ties with Hugh Freeze and the Liberty program go much deeper than just a few X's and O's for this game. Yeah, they certainly do. You look, he's got a coach on his sideline and R.J. Fleming, but on the opposite side, there are ties to Liberty as uh, Vontrell King-Williams down there as well as uh, a guest speaker that the program had a few years ago, and that's Emily Austin, who works in their office at as well. So we touch on that. We also spend some good time getting you set for National Signing Day because that is going to happen on Wednesday morning. We'll take the show on the road because Signing Day continues uh, a primer as you're thinking ahead. Usually you're expected to see these 25, 30 member signing classes. I'm going to tell you right now, that's not happening this year because COVID rules and the way uh, right now roster sizes are, we're going to tell you it's going to be a smaller class, but look for quality over quantity. Well, I, I don't think it's a bad thing that the smaller class either, Greg. I mean, we're in the, the midst still of feeling out what happened because of COVID. And the good news is, is that there's a lot of spots that aren't open because so many players came back to this roster and are part of it. So I can assure you, you and I have been looking at the signee list. We've been 
doing our best to write some bios and get those ready. Uh, these players that we're bringing in are very good for the program. There's a really good mix, I think, of both freshmen, a few transfers maybe, um, some really good skill at offense and defense. So we're going to leave it right there and surprise you on Wednesday with some of the signees. But make sure you stay tuned all day because even though we're on the road, we still will be bringing you great coverage throughout the day. We'll have a conversation with Coach. We'll get some of his thoughts. We'll talk to Jeff Collette, who's the director of recruiting over with football. And Greg and I will even break down some things. So we've got some studying to do ahead of Wednesday. Plus, we've got a secret location up on my do. sleeve. I wasn't gonna. I didn't want to prime it too much, but you'll have to stay tuned because Greg and I will be bringing you some signing day action from a really, really unique and cool spot down in Mobile. We've already got it all ready to go, so stay tuned. We'll bring some video element as well, so it'll be a really fun time. And that's a good time to remind people too, Greg, that this episode of the Eastern Insider Podcast is your one-stop shop for preparing for the Lending Tree Bowl. But just so everybody knows too, whether you want to or not, you're going to hear a lot from us this week. Stay tuned. We'll put out on social media and of course on our website, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, some smaller short drops this week through uh, the bowl season from throughout uh, or from out our time in Mobile. We'll be joined by some guests throughout the week. We'll do some special edition interviews that we'll also be putting out this what, week. So what are you most excited about? Most Can't say excited? the football game. Well, I have to catch my breath. Um, the football game is, is one thing, but I think the bowl games are a really fun experience because you get to see our kids and our student athletes uh, just have a really unique experience and do something that they wouldn't normally get to do. I mean, it's not often you get to go as a group and see all the things they're going to see, contribute the way that they're going to contribute. I've got to be honest, personally, I'm really excited for the Mardi Gras parade on Friday night. A lot of people may not know Mobile, the birthplace of Mardi Gras. I'm a big Mardi Gras fan. You know, that I've got my Mardi Gras tree in my office every year. I enjoy doing it down there. So it's going to There's be a lot of fun. There's only one correct answer. It's called gumbo. <laughs> That's it. Okay. Well, naturally you associated with my answer would be with food. I'll have to take a few minutes and get over that. But Yes, the seafood will be great. I know, Greg, you're excited for the food. And it's also a great time for us to see so many great Eastern Michigan fans like those listening, our alumni, our student-athletes, our former student-athletes. So all of that bundled into one. And we hope that if you're down in Mobile and you catch us on the side of the street or, or in the hotel, please stop and say hi. Let us know what we're doing good, what we yep. can do better. And hopefully we'll all have a good time together. This will be uh, our last major episode until the last uh, of the year begins. We'll be back with you in 2022. But don't forget, We'll have special continuing coverage from on in Mobile all week long. Look, go to emueagles.com. Certainly look that up. But as always, we appreciate you listening here on the Eastern Insider and only hope for a bigger and better year to come. And we'll have plenty more after the break. We also need to take a break because, you know, after those four overtimes that I got to call, <laughs> the, the pipes are only so much left in the tank. I think that sounds like a plan. We're going to step aside, take a quick break. On the other side of it, it's Nick Pierce, the sideline voice of the Liberty Flames. He sits down with Craig and I. And then it's Chris Creighton and his team's keys to victory after that. All that so much more this week on the Eastern Insider Podcast. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. For 82 years, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan has been and continues to be committed to families all across Michigan. By providing access to care however, wherever, and whenever they need it, Blue Cross is here for it all and always will be. Whether you're in the D or out to sea, we always bring you the E on the only show that brings you all things Eastern all the time. The Eastern Insider Podcast. The countdown to the Lending Tree Bowl is ever closer as we're getting set to go. We are joined by Nick Pierce from the Liberty Flames Sports Network. He is their sideline guy and their pre and post game guy as well. And 
what a season it was last year, but this year the Flames seven and five. Nick, what can you tell me about the excitement level for Liberty coming into this trip to Mobile? Well, thanks a lot for having me, guys. Um, you know, I think that there is a definite excitement level or fever pitch down here in uh, Lynchburg as the guys prepare to play in a third straight bowl game, try to win three in a row. It uh, would become only the second FBS program to do that, transitioning from the FCS level, App State being the other. So I think there's a chance to make a little bit of history. And I think this team is eager to get back on the football field. Uh, this was a team that was seven and two, and now they're seven and five. Uh, so the month of November did not go very well. Obviously played a very tough schedule going on the road against the top uh, 10 team or top 15 team at the time in Ole Miss. Uh, then having to deal with a very good Sunbelt champion Louisiana team that was ranked in the top 25 and obviously a very good Army team that's eight and three. So, um, you know, tough schedule, but the Flames still feel like they should have won, you know, at least one or maybe even two of those games. Um especially dropping a couple of those at home. So this is a Flames team that's going to be eager to get back out on the football field, and I think they're all excited just to play another game. There's a lot of similarities in the programs that are going to be playing in the Lending Tree Bowl, Eastern Michigan. We talk all the time on our show about the resurgence that's obviously taken place here in Ypsilanti uh, behind Coach Chris Creighton and his staff. You guys are in a spot with Hugh Freeze that has uh, taken you to unprecedented levels in the last couple of years. And obviously it's a name that a lot of people know well, but maybe in our neck of the woods have not studied up on as much or had as much experience with a Hugh Freeze style of team. What can you tell us about Hugh Freeze, the leader, and then what kind of style the football team will play underneath him and what we can look forward to in, in your guys' play? Yeah, uh, well, Hugh Freeze is a dynamic leader, um, and there's no question about that. He knows how to get the most out of his players, and his players love him and respect him and will run for through a wall for him. And that's that's the kind of uh, guy that you want at the head of your program. That's why Hugh Freeze has gotten a contract extension each of his first – at the conclusion of each of his first three seasons – here in Lynchburg, just recently got another one to lock him up through 2028. Also in the midst of all the uncertainty of college football and coaches moving all over the place, I think Liberty wanted to make a statement that uh, we're here and we want to make sure that our, our guy is our guy for, for the foreseeable future. So, But as far as his style goes, you know, he became known for those high-tempo, high-powered offenses that broke records down at Ole Miss. Um and now his his style hasn't, I don't want to say he's totally gotten away from that because this team will still go tempo, but he's learned to play a little more complimentary football. And when there's a lead in the second half, he's not going to run tempo just for the sake of running tempo and throwing his defense back out on the field. Uh, this is a, a coach that's kind of adapted and learned how to uh, make the most out of, of, of his team. Uh, he'll be the first to tell you he's still recruiting. He's still building this roster to where it needs to be um, to compete at the FBS level. So realizing that and realizing that maybe, hey, I don't want my defense on the field for 70 plus snaps, you know, and, and it's worked. I mean, you look at the numbers and uh, this defense has been in the top 10 in a lot of statistical categories this year, top five or uh, top 15 or uh, top 25 in a lot of uh, numbers, scoring defense, third down defense, total defense, uh, really good against the run. So 
I think that's probably been one of the biggest changes just in his style is that he's not afraid to go out there and try to slow the game down a little bit. And that's certainly worked out to the Flames' advantage, and they've uh, been able to dominate time of possession. And when, you know, look, the, the key is being able to build a lead early, and that's something that this team's not really been able to do lately. Um, you know, the, the start against Army was not good. The offense looked disjointed in the first half, came around in the second half. Same thing against Ole Miss, right? They were getting shut out at halftime. Uh, it took them to the the, the second half to kind of get going. Uh, I don't think that that's something that they want to have to live with again in Mobile. I, I'm sure that this team would much rather go come out and get off to a fast start. There was a stretch where they scored on the opening drive of a ball game, I think, uh, seven, eight, nine times in a row. I forget what it is now, but um, they, they'd like to get back to that for sure. Sounds like mere images of each other. Eastern Michigan was the same way. Non-conference schedule. The Eagles were able to score early, but they have not been able to 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 really hold a first quarter lead since really September. They've had to play come from behind a lot. When you look at playing come from behind, both teams have really good quarterbacks. Ben Bryant for Eastern Michigan, Malik Willis for uh, the Flames. You look at him, you hear a lot of first round potential draft picks. He's on the big board, all this stuff. What makes him so good? I think there's a lot of intangible. Well, first of all, there's a lot of natural God-given athletic ability there with Malik Willis that we've not seen in a guy that plays this position at Liberty ever. Um, but secondly, there there are the intangibles there, I think, that that make him uh, a, a potential first round draft pick that, you know, look, I mean, as, as good as he is, there's, there's always going to be the question right from from those in the the NFL or those that that at the higher levels to say hell hey he's not doing it against the SEC every week or he's not doing it against this team or that that type of defense but I mean if you just turn the tape on and watch this guy um it's certainly not been the same the last three ball games and that's something that this this team's going to try to get figured out here over the next couple of weeks but when he's right he's right and a, a guy that keeps his eyes down the field uh can extend plays even when he's you know a threat to run the football will still try to lock in and, and get the big play down the field. He's got a big arm. Uh, he can make you miss look foolish. Uh, you know, if you try to blitz him, um, you know, there's a lot of those, those God given uh, traits, like I talked about, but then also just his humility and his attitude, his leadership abilities. Um, you know, it, he's a guy that it's, it's never about him. It's about his team. And, you know, I asked him about that the other day. I said, look, I said, you know, Malik, there's a lot of guys these days that are scheduled to be draft picks in the NFL and they, they skip their bowl game. Um, you know, he's got another year of eligibility left. Should he, you know, choose to use it. Um, but it, it wouldn't have, you know, in, in today's climate, it wouldn't have been a shock if he had skipped it. He said, look, he said, I've, I've, I've still got things to work on. He said, and plus we've lost our last game. I, I don't want to go out on an L. He said, I want to go out there with my teammates and I want us all be smiling at the end of this thing. So it's it's bigger than him. And the biggest thing is he doesn't get too far ahead down the road. And I think that that's something those are some traits that that would certainly be attractive to NFL franchises and general managers and head coaches. Um, so I, I think that it's it's the ability, but then it's also just those those intangible traits that uh, that are a little bit harder to come by too. spending a few minutes here with Nick Pierce one of the voices of Liberty Flames football and as well as some other sports and down in Lynchburg, Virginia, kind enough to join us here for a few minutes on the Eastern Insider. Nick, we just spent obviously some time talking about your seller quarterback who's been the talk of the roster, but earlier in the interview, you also mentioned some of the defensive numbers, how good that side of the ball has been. And, and we all know no matter how good a quarterback is, there has to be 
playmakers around him to make him that much better. Who are some other names, um, just a few, maybe on each side of the ball, that when our listeners are tuned in to WEMU 89.1 FM next week, we'll hear called out quite a bit by Matt Shepard and Rob Rubick. Yeah, on the offensive side of the ball, I guess I'll start there, um, looking at the playmakers for Malik. Um, You know, he hasn't really had that number one target receiver big play guy all year. Um, Not to say that there's not some guys that can't make big plays and have, but it seems like it's always been someone kind of different. Uh, Demario Douglas maybe would be the closest to that. Number three, he's a 5'8", 170-pounder from Jacksonville. So not the biggest. He's not that big traditional outside, like, a, a you know, guys that Hugh Freeze has had before, like a DK Metcalf or um, an Antonio Gandy-Golden here at Liberty in, in Coach Freeze's first year. Um, but Demario is a guy that can get out there in space and make some plays. And, uh, you know, he's his team's leading receiver up to this point. C.J. Daniels, though, another guy that uh, really had a big ball game against Army. I think it was eight catches, went well over 100 yards. Uh, 6'2", redshirt freshman out of uh, just just uh, outside of Atlanta. Um, those were a couple guys, I think, in the passing game. Also, DJ Stubbs, a, a COVID senior from Jacksonville, Florida. So they've got some experience out there. But again, Stubbs, a guy 5'9", 185. You know, it's 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 interesting how they make it work. And and it's not, it's not the same guy, like I said, every week. But uh, those are a few playmakers, I think, on the offensive side of the football. The biggest key for Liberty on offense is going to be protecting Malik Willis. Um, they've, they've allowed 50 sacks this year, and that's coming from a team that I think gave up 22 all of last year. So that, that's that been concerning. Um, but on the defensive side of the ball, uh, you know, a, a guy that's really been uh, a godsend for this uh, team has been Story Jackson, uh, FCS All-American from Prairie View A&M, played in the spring, was an All-American there, and then just comes in in the fall, and uh, he's been one of the leading tacklers on this team all season long at linebacker. Uh, that's a name that you're probably going to call out a good bit. Uh, the defensive line has has been deep this year. They've been hurt a little bit, particularly on the interior, but uh, they've seen guys uh, step up and make plays. Uh, Kendy Charles, um, Rashad Harding at linebacker has had a couple big tackle games. Um, trying to think of the other interior line. Henry Chabuzzi has been uh, really good in there this year. Um, those are a few names that I think you're going to call quite a bit. And certainly the Flames hope that they get Javon Scruggs back on the defensive side as well. He's been their kind of their field general over the last few years. Um, number one, he's a, uh, one of those hybrid, you know, rover type position uh, out there at, at the safety spot. But uh, Javon Scruggs, a local kid down here. Uh, missed the last game with a leg injury. They'll hope to have him back, and uh, he's a big piece. Final moments here with Nick Pierce from Liberty Flames Sports Network. You look at this uh, game, the quick turnaround, having really less than two weeks to do everything. It'll be the second all-time meeting between Eastern and Liberty. They'll meet a few times coming up in the upcoming years, but the intangibles of this signing day, travel day, all those things, what do you think are the intangibles going into this matchup? Uh, well, I'm, you know, look, I think everyone's got to do it, right, because of the early signing day now. Uh, the coaches have all been out on the road. Um, I, I think that the players may be getting some time just to kind of work together themselves and work on their own on some of this stuff might be a good thing. Um, because if, if you've got a team where the players are holding one another accountable, you 
got a chance to have something special. And I think that's kind of been a little bit of what's been going on over the last week or so is, you know, the players kind of getting out here on their own and 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 getting after some of this stuff. Um, coaches have all been out on the road. They've been recruiting. They've been trying to bring in the next class. I'm sure it's no different for Eastern Michigan. Um, so I think that'll be kind of interesting to see how they respond from that. Um you know, it, it's a it's a busy time. It's a quick turnaround. But at the same time, this is a Flames team that went 10 straight weeks without a bye week this year. So while in one sense, it's a quick turnaround in another sense, I, I don't know that this team, uh, you know, having two weeks off from playing a football game, I don't, I don't think they're complaining about that either. So maybe a chance to kind of hit that reset button and, uh, you know, get things right and get get a little get a little bit more fresh coming into this game against Eastern Michigan might be a good thing for them. I know they'll all be enjoying the little warmer weather. We're seeing about 75 at kickoff next Saturday. 29 degrees here right now. What about you guys? Uh, it's a little warmer than that. We're probably pushing uh, mid-30s right now. Oh, okay, heat wave. <laughs> it may only be 29, but we know it's always a little hotter when Von Trell's in the room down there, right? <laughs> right, no doubt. <laughs> well, Nick, we can't thank you enough for your time. We look forward to a fun matchup. More importantly, we look forward to getting with you and Alan and the rest of the crew and, and getting to know you guys a little bit more. Yep. Appreciate it, guys. Hopefully something was insightful in there for you guys uh, and looking forward to catching up with you all down at Mobile as well. We appreciate it. Alex and I take a quick time out. We're back after this on the Eastern Insider Podcast, the only show that talks Eastern all the time. Looking for a ride? Trinity Transportation has the vehicle for you. From luxurious motor coaches to cozy sedans, Trinity Transportation is prepared to take you to your destination. Check out their fleet of vehicles at trinitytransportation.com or call 877-284-4200 to book today. That's trinitytransportation.com or 877-284-4200. Trinity Transportation, the official transportation provider of Eastern Michigan Athletics. There's only one place in the state of Michigan that takes you straight inside the locker room, and that's the Eastern Insider Podcast. Your chance to get in on the action, bringing you more coverage than any other program in the mitten. Coming an annual occurrence, Eastern Michigan will be headed to a bowl game next weekend, December 18th at Hancock-Whitney Stadium in Mobile, Alabama. It will be Eastern Michigan and Liberty as we get set for you the Lending Tree Bowl Preview. Alongside Coach Creighton, I'm Greg Steiner. Coach, uh, what a hectic time it is for you right now. You've got bowl preparation, you've got National Signing Day, recruiting all going on. Are you finding time to sleep? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's been good. You know, our, our staff has done this before and, and our team uh, is just in a, is in a good place. Um, you know, you think about it for those guys, they've got finals um, and they help with the recruiting. So they're part of the, the official visit weekends and uh, all the bowl practices and preparation and they're doing finals. So, um, yeah, we're, we're we're good. Our staff's been working hard. We feel great about our recruiting class. It's smaller than normal because of the COVID protocols and all that. But uh, but it's really good. Great human beings that fit us. And uh, so Wednesday is going to be really fun. We have not done that before, uh, you know, on a bull site. And uh, so that'll be different, but but really good. And um, we're off to a good start with our bull prep. You look at this, uh, you'll have a Liberty team that, again, is coming off uh, with seven to five mark. But last year they had a magical season. Uh, a quick peek at Liberty. What do you see out of them? I mean, everybody looks at their quarterback, but defensively for your offense, this is a team that's very good against the pass. Well, I, I will tell you this. I mean, they're they're really good. You know, they were seven and two going into the last three games. And the last three games were Ole Miss, uh, Louisiana, and, and Army. 
so those are uh, you know three really tough teams, really tough outs, um, and uh, so they're they're every bit as good as you think they are. Um, and your question was about their defense first. Yeah, defense yeah. against the pass, they are top twenty five in five different categories. Oh, they're they're uh, they're really good. I mean, again, it always starts with the front, and they've got uh, not just. A couple, they've got three or so defensive ends who are really, really talented and disruptive um, and are just really good pass rushers. But it's not just there. I mean, they're, they're two, uh, they play more than two, but, you know, those guys inside have great length and are athletic as well. They're big kids, but they're, I mean, they, they, can, uh, they can rush the passer. So, um, and then everybody on their team, but especially the linebackers, safeties and corners, they can all run. They they just they can all run. I mean, they're really um, athletic, and so you know, any coach will tell you, you know, if you got someone who who uh, can really run, if you make a mistake, you know, you got a chance to make up for it. Um, and uh, so, the, and they're well coordinated. You know, they just uh, they play hard. It, it's a it's a, it's a stiff challenge. You look at them, Eastern and Liberty, mirror images in a lot of ways. They're a team that once they get a lead, they don't relinquish it. Same for your team, and but they've had to play come from behind as of lot lately. Uh, the other similarity is both quarterbacks have gotten sacked quite a bit uh, over the course of the season. How do you see offensive line play being critical in this game? Again, I, I think, you know, everything starts up front. You know, for our guys... You know, when we, we beat Toledo and score 52 points, when we rush the ball for over 200 yards against Western Michigan's defense, um, when they're the number one, you know, rush defense in the conference at the time, you know, it's about the backs when we're running it. And then, you know, it's about everybody else, you know, when we're playing against Toledo, but it's, uh, it's all about, you know, the offensive line it starts with those guys. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, we um, did not play uh, the way that we're capable of playing against Central Michigan. And I think it starts up front there and I you know want to give those guys credit anytime anything goes well and so we've got a unit that that can be really good and in order for us to win um, you know this bowl game our offensive line is going to have to be fantastic they, they RPO a lot offensively you know that they're similar to Western Michigan in that way and um, you know that means that they're trying to make somebody wrong mm -hmm. uh, you know on every play and so if you're Light versus the run, they're going to run it. And then if you're light versus the pass, they're going to throw it. Um, and uh, so, again, it starts on the on the line of scrimmage. And, you know, our defensive line has taken over um, uh, a couple games. Uh, and then there's, you know, there's been games where we've been pushed around, you know. So um, we, we're going to need to be on the top of our game. Uh, both sides of the ball. The commonality between the programs also runs deep. Fontero Troll King Williams, certainly well known in these parts, was a GA here, and, and Coach Nethery and him have a long term relationship that goes back. On the flip side, you've got RJ Fleming on, on your staff. How do you see that? commonality because again you guys have similar staffs and you're also going to play again in the upcoming years they got the bigger guy we got the faster guy <laughs> um two great human beings um and uh fortunate to have been able to work um you know with with both of them and uh yeah there's there are other guys you know on that staff that people have mutual relationships with and um yeah so we uh i don't know though that we're going to continue to play after this because they're joining a conference. Okay. So I think that that might, who knows, but that, that could be have, you know, some realignment there. And, uh, if we don't play later, then it's a, it's a good thing that we're playing now. Um, cause it's, uh, it's always fun to, you know, 
play people that you've worked with and are familiar with. Here with Chris Creighton, a few more minutes as we preview the upcoming Lending Tree Bowl at Mobile, Alabama. Uh, being this, that you've been through the bowl experience a few times, how do you kind of now look at it to make sure, one, we're getting enough preparation, but also letting them enjoy the atmosphere and celebration of being in a bowl game? It is, um, it's a long road trip. And just philosophically, I've just learned over the years that, you know, a team travels well when no matter where you're going or what you're doing, um, on the forefront of everybody's mind is that there's a football game, you know, at the end of the trip. And that's what everything is about. And so if that is at the forefront of everybody's mind, then you can enjoy, you know, going to see the battleship and, and I think there's a game night versus mm -hmm. Liberty and all that. I mean, absolutely. Um, it's when you get lost in, you know, whether it's again, just a weekend trip for a game where you haven't been before and you're getting on a charter plane for the first time and all of that's so to go into a state you've never been to. Uh, so whether it's a bowl or whether it's an away trip, if you know the purpose of the trip and you keep that on the forefront of your mind, then you can absolutely you know, enjoy, take part in, you know, all of the other things outside of football that, that lead up to it. Um, and so the bowl won't be um, any different. I mean, we're, uh, we're going to practice hard and we know that uh, there's going to be a football game, 445 Central Time, you know, in uh, Mobile at South Alabama's, you know, brand new, beautiful stadium there. And, um, you know, we want to be just, we want to be playing Eastern Michigan football at a really high level, um, you know, at that time and, and absolutely enjoying being together and and uh, going to a place where very few guys in our program have ever been and um, along the way. 28 guys, if we counted correctly, this will be their third bowl appearance that they will have played in. Uh, something that, that hadn't been able to be said in Eastern Michigan history before this current streak. Uh, what does it say about Eastern Michigan on the national stage to be in this conversation every year now? Well, it's, it's not every year. I mean, every year is a new year, but we, you know, we have, uh, we have strung some together here and, um, you know, I mean, hopefully it means that, that we're, you know, playing better and better football and, um, you know, gaining more and more, uh, respect. Um, there are plenty more breakthroughs, you know, that, that, uh, we are determined and driven, uh, to achieve, um, and 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 one of them can happen here. You know, this week uh, we've we've been to those bowl games. Um, we've lost. They've all been really good, close games to really good teams. Um, but you know, our one thing that our guys haven't done is, you know, hoisted a hoisted a trophy. Um, and uh, our culture is really strong. The relationships. I mean, I'm so proud of so many things. And you know, for this group and. In any other group, you know, we want them to experience, um, you know, that kind of success as well. And then uh, last thought I'll look at you out of here on this is you had the bowl, the bowl announcement coincided also with your annual banquet, the 59th time Eastern Michigan has handed out football awards and uh, some guys that you anticipated taking home trophies, Hassan Beydoun, of course, Ben Bryant, and then Jose Ramirez takes home three different awards. If you look at those three as... MVPs and, and even add Jake Julian into the mix, that's a pretty special group that took home some awards, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah no, no question. Um, you know, our, our big four awards, you know, 
in some ways are not football related. Um, now they're all football related, but when you talk about Thomas Odekoye for the second time winning the biggest award that we have and the torchbearer leader, 120 guys in the program, division one motivated, driven uh, young men. And you know, for him to get voted by his peers as the best, strongest, you know, overall leader two years in a row, it's unbelievable. Um, Haas, I mean, you can't overdo that story. You can't, you know, um, uh, the fact that he, you know, was a student here and asked to come to a on-campus tryout and was just named by the team as the most valuable player. Um, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. And then, you know, Preston Hutchison, our reigning MVP, um, who's not playing like he, you know, mm -hmm. absolutely had anticipated playing was honored by our team as the team player award, put the team before himself. And it's not that, you know, he was second string, it's how he acted, his yep. attitude, his effort and all of that in that, you know, incredibly hard role. Um, and then Jose got two of the big um, awards with being committed to excellence. Um, and then our theme award of, of being different, you know, we read through some of the tangible ways, um, but then there's the sort of the intangible ways as well, which are, you know, we got back um, from a camp in June uh, the staff did. We were down at University of Indianapolis. And we got back after 11 p.m. at night, and he was here with Wu um, uh, going into the stadium to uh, to train on a Saturday night in June, um, you know, about midnight. Uh, you know, and the, the, that's not in the press release. You know, that's that, that's just who he is. Um, and uh, so I'm just super proud, not of just the guys that, you know, got the awards, because none of those awards were unanimous. <laughs> Um, multiple people were, were voted, but, uh, I love banquets cause man, you gotta, you know, we don't necessarily celebrate individual awards throughout the year and all that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but at the banquet, you take the time to, to really celebrate and honor, um, you know, the team's achievements. And, um, so, and it was fun to kind of kick off uh, the announcement of where we were going, um, for the bowl game. And so it just turned out great. We appreciate your time as always. We can't wait to be celebrating, hopefully, a first trophy going in that bowl case upstairs. All right, we'll give it everything we got. This has been another edition of the Eastern Insider Podcast, powered by Learfield and presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Tune in every Monday for new episodes all year long. And don't forget to visit emueagles.com slash podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts for all of our episodes on demand.